All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. So uh, this week we're going to talk to Matt Brozek, and we talked to Matt in episode 92. So if you want to know more about him, check out episode 92. Not exactly a household name. He's not a guide. He's not a bait manufacturer. He's just a normal average dude that goes musky fishing, and he tried to tackle the PMTT this weekend, this past weekend. And so we're going to talk to him about that. And it's not necessarily going to be a conversation about tournaments, so to speak. It's going to be more about how we approach new water, and that's, you know, hopefully somebody can take you know, some of his approach to potentially a trip that they have, you know, upcoming. Uh, first off, I want to thank a bunch of the listeners for reaching out to me personally. Um, recently, if you hadn't listened to last week's episode, I lost my dad. It was, um, I want to say unexpected, but the timing was fairly unexpected, and so it's been a kind of difficult time, and I appreciate many of you listeners, you, you, um, you know, reached out and, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's cool that you did that because, um, well, I guess it's a, you know, cool community that we built here. And so I, again, I, I thank you all. I think I probably replied to everybody that sent me something and hopefully I didn't miss anybody, but it's been, um, I don't know, it's just been kind of a, a crazy time. I know that the last couple episodes I was eh, noticeably absent. I didn't really have much to say and, Rightfully so, I just didn't feel like talking about musky fishing. So uh, we're finally getting past that a little bit. Um, nothing will ever replace him, and uh, we'll never move on completely from him. But um, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's time for me to move on, but it's, you know, time for me to start talking about muskies and, and that kind of stuff. So here we are again, and we're going to talk muskies. And uh, my co-host is Brad Hoppy, and Brad's been out musky fishing quite a bit, I bet. Brad, how you doing tonight? I am doing good. I'm a little tired. Uh, spent a lot of time in the water since the last time we recorded, but uh, I'm here again because I think it's important and I love doing this whole show. Yeah, and that's why we've been doing it the last couple of weeks. I haven't, like I said, my heart hasn't really been into it. I'm not at 100%, you know, full on musky brain yet, but I'm getting, I'm getting better, Brad. I actually spent some time on the water recently. A uh, buddy of mine and my daughter, we went up north this past weekend. It was supposed to be rainy and crappy, and it, it was. And so my wife's like, um, I don't want to go up there with the kids and be stuck in a camper all weekend when it's raining. That's stupid. And so she's like, why don't you just go up fishing? And took my daughter about five minutes to have one hit a boat side. She lost that one. Ironically, is the best one that we saw all day. And then she put one in the boat, a small one. Um, I don't know probably 23 minutes into the day so she was super pumped and then i got a one that was probably about the same size a little while longer a little while later ironically it rained all day long our only fish action came when it was not raining so and then but it would like rain literally within five minutes after those fish hit so it was kind of weird no moon action just a little bit different but it helped you know me uh, i get back out in the water i love chasing muskies i love you know musky fishing and so it was good to uh to get back out there and, uh, I don't know, I guess I have some sort of normalcy return to my life. And so I'm anxious to get out and, and do a little bit more of that. It's, it's fun. And Sunday was a bust. We saw one and caught a bunch of pike. My daughter loves catching pike and I, I don't blame her. She's a 15 year old girl and, you know, catching anything is exciting to her. So that was cool. How's your, uh, how's your fishing been, Brad? Well, I can honestly say I've had a rough patch. Um, I went five days without boating fish and super, super challenging. I mean, we're, we're marking them on the side imaging. The hummingbird has been doing its job. I haven't. 
it's uh it's been quite frustrating but uh i finally got back on them today we ended up with two in the boat and it felt pretty good i can honestly tell you that so a lot of hot days on the water a lot of sunburn super tired and i think sometimes you know your brain gets a little cloudy when you're so exhausted and that's kind of where i've been so i uh i feel pretty good after today and i think we're going to start seeing some good stuff happen again tomorrow I don't want to spend a lot of time talking water temperatures because as we talked before, it's not super important, but it is from the safety or like from the standpoint of safe musky release. There's a lot of talk about hot water early in the season. Based on what I saw in the water, it uh, it's pretty much a non-factor right now. I mean, we're late June. Obviously, it'll be July here. I mean, 4th of July is coming up this weekend. And these water temperatures, I don't feel are now, I don't think they're any warmer than any other June. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, uh, we're seeing somewhere around uh, over the weekend, I would say it was like 69 to 70. We had some little bit of uh, rain that came through, but today I think we hit the water. It was about 72. And I think the peak that I seen today was about 74, but our evenings are cooling down again. Um, We're getting a few different little storms, kind of patchy storms, honestly, that, you know, just a little bit here, a little bit there. It rained on us for a little bit this morning. It rained on us yesterday a little bit. You know, we're we're pretty much right where it should be. I mean, honestly, we really are. So, you know, we had a little bit of a scare early with the super, super calm water and super hot days. But you know what? It's kind of, it's it always happens every year, it seems like, you know. It just seems to always find its little groove. And the month of June, which is almost over here, we uh we're sitting pretty normal honestly yep for sure so uh you know the only way we get anything out of this podcast is plugging our own businesses so for anybody that's looking for gear for their next musky fishing trip check out teamrhinooutdoors.com we have the uh we're your source for we'll say exclusive custom colors we have lots of you know colors of all sorts of varieties crazy stuff hopefully by the time you hear this we'll have few new colors in chaos tackle i can't say it's going to for sure arrive seeing as though this is pretty short notice but check us out for all the major manufacturers musky mayhem tackle chaos tackle musky innovation suic lures just to name a few joe booker outdoors and many of the smaller baits smitty baits pandemonium tackle things like that and the other company that we need to talk about before we go get a guest on tonight is brad well, that'd be Muskie Mayhem Tackle, and uh, we're the proud manufacturers of the original big-bladed flashaboo baits, the non-bucktail, if you will, but, you know, we also have the bucktails, too. we got the eagle tails that we own and, uh, and several others. So, anyway, we appreciate all of our customers, and we're all about uh, trying to deliver and make things happen for people. Please reach out to us and sh- share some of your pictures. We'd love to see them. You can check us out on our website, muskamayamtackle.com, or our YouTube channel, Instagram, or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate the business. Hey, you know, Brad, one quick plug I want to talk about before we we move on is the detonator. It's got a, what, a 13 blade and a 10 blade? Is that what it is? That is correct, yep. Okay, so for people that are concerned about the size of this thing and, you know, like the pull of it, like, honestly, I used one for the first time this weekend, Brad, and that thing, I, I, it feels like it pulls like a junior cowgirl, in my opinion. I would agree with you, Jeff. I, you know, it's kind of amazing. You think of the 13 blade that we use on our supermodels. It's an exclusive blade just to us, and uh, it's been a great, great bait in the supermodel line. 
we basically took that and we ended up putting a, a 40,000 thick 10 blade behind it. And it's amazing how much it cancels out that enormous pull that you're used to with the cowgirl or maybe the supermodel. So, you know, with that, because it's, it's a little bit uh, less pull, you have to move the bait slightly faster, but you can still get the job done after dark. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but we posted uh, on Instagram and Facebook here in the last week. And I believe the Muskie Insider also uh, posted on Instagram. I just seen um, a giant fish that was caught up on vermilion. You can go check that out. And what that's all about is um, it's all about the sound, Jeff. I mean, that bait has been incredible. It's one of my baits that I'm probably more excited about than anything. And right now we're actually prototyping another bait. And so I really haven't thrown the detonator a whole lot yet this season. But uh, when we're out casting in open water, we're prototyping a new bait. So I will get back to the detonator soon when I start hitting some of those weed lines. This was kind of like my first, you know, my first, I don't know, we'll say real trip out. I mean, obviously things have interrupted my season. And so I just want to you know, playing with a few baits, not a lot. I was, the goal was still to try to catch fish and I wanted to play around with the detonator. I kept thinking, you know, all right, I got to try bigger. I don't, I don't go big too often. And so I wanted to go bigger and I was you know, pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's definitely one of those baits where and you may not hand it to a 10 year old kid and think it's, he's going to throw it or she's going to throw it all day long, but it's definitely for your, you know, your average, I want to say hardcore, not even hardcore musky angler. If you're, if you could throw a junior cowgirl, you could throw a detonator. So for anybody that's hesitant to buy one because of the size of the blades, I, um, I could tell you honestly that, uh, it really wasn't an issue. So that was just one thing I wanted to talk about. I guess, uh, the other thing I would say is we do have regular guests lined up or that we had previously talked to, obviously because of my issues that I've had lately, we haven't had time to get there. Brad's been super busy in the shop and super busy guiding. I mean, as it, I don't know even what time it is right now. Let's see. It's probably close to 1130, uh, 11:15. So it's 11:15 on a Monday night and Brad and I are still podcasting. And so that's kind of how this whole thing's coming together right now. Bear with us for maybe one more episode and we'll get back on track. I'm still trying to catch up from, uh, not, I wasn't in the shop a lot for probably like a 10 day stretch. We were basically in the shop to send out orders and potentially even order a couple baits. But other than that, it was you know, bare minimum. And so we're still trying to dig out from that. And then and that's taking up a lot of time and, you know, whatever. So anyways, I just want to thank all of our listeners again for, for listening every week. And, uh, you know, hopefully if you're new to the, if you're new to the podcast, you know, the better days are ahead. All right, Jeff, let's, uh, let's hook up with Matt on the line here and, uh, see what he's got to tell about, uh, the PMTT. All right. Our guest today is going to be Matt Brozick. And if you want to know backstory on Matt, check out episode 92. Not a guide. He's not a lure manufacturer. I guess the slang term would be weekend warrior. So he's kind of a resident weekend warrior. But this past weekend, uh, Matt and his partner, they took on the PMTT up in Eagle River, Three Lakes chain. And it was the first time Matt had ever fished a tournament from, or a muskie tournament from what I understand. And his goal had been always to fish the PMTT. And on top of that, you know, Matt and his partner took home an eighth place finish. And so I kind of, when Matt sent me a text about it earlier, I was, um, I, I kind of thought, Hey, maybe, you know, cause Brad and I didn't really have a, um, we never really set plan this week. It was actually very, um, unsettled, I guess I would say for lack of a better word, 
But so I was like, hey, Matt, you know, would you be interested in talking about your your tournament? And I don't necessarily want to talk about this like about fishing tournaments, but I want to use this as a like a teaching tool and a learning tool for how Matt broke down the water because it's based on what I know of Matt and his, and his experience on this chain. He's had some experience on three lakes, and you can listen to that episode, and he'll kind of explain how he became. That was sort of how your transition to becoming a musky angler. But so he had a little bit of experience there. It sounds like you have very little experience on Eagle River. So he shows up on a Wednesday, and he's got to try to figure out how to catch muskies on a body of water that he's never been on. And so that's sort of like why we did this podcast, I guess, in an essence, is to try to get people to catch more muskies and in, in, in the process on, you know, location and, you know, seasonal patterns and, you know, weekly patterns even. And so I brought, thought Matt would be a perfect example of a teaching experience on how he, how he broke it down. So Matt, first off, I want to say congratulations. Eighth place finish in, uh, you know, the PMTT may not sound like the greatest thing in the world, but it's quite an accomplishment in my opinion. And I'm super happy for you. Um, I know how excited you were to go fish this tournament, but why don't you kind of talk about your experience, I guess, over the weekend, and then Brad and I will jump in with some questions that we have. Sure. Well, uh, first, thanks for having me again. I appreciate that. Secondly is you talk about eighth place, and that's kind of funny because I texted my wife after uh, I found out, like, the instant that we found out that we were in eighth place, and all she wrote back was, great, cool, exclamation point. I'm like, yeah, she's, my wife's amazing. She's outstanding for even letting me go. And, you know, with four kids and all this stuff. But it was just, it's funny. I'm legitimately, when I say this, and I hope, you know, there's probably some people that are going to think this is kind of silly, but I'm legitimately more excited about an eighth place finish in my first PNCT with all the work and thought and training and just being on the water and all of that than I am of probably my college degree <laughs> so it was, a, it was a super cool experience and you know, they, they did a great job putting the whole thing on and Tree Lakes and Eagle River they did a great job and had some uh, met some great people met some great locals except for one lady that was a little bit angry she owned some property on the water and she thought that we shouldn't fish monkeys because whatever reason she got kind of mad at us we won't buy. but anyway other than that everyone was good and Secondly, I want to thank you guys, too, because, you know, I, I reached out and said, hey, I've um, never fished this body of water before, and, you know, you guys gave me a few pointers, and those uh, were very helpful, so I just want to thank you guys, too, for doing that, but it was, you know, it was a good thing, all, you know, overall, great experience, and very glad you did that, but, uh, but yeah, I, so kind of backing up to Three Lakes, backing up to Eagle River, so I, I caught my very first muskie on the Tree Lakes chain, but that was, I, mean, I didn't even know what a muskie was 48 hours prior, and that was much more of a social hour with some muskie fishing versus actually muskie fishing. And so, you know, this was a complete blank slate for me, and rolled in on Wednesday, like you said, you know, fished Tree Lakes for two days, and I fished Eagle River for the third day, so this is uh, Wednesday, Thursday on Tree Lakes, and Friday on Eagle River. And it was actually, I had a really tough, really tough pre-fish. I didn't move a fish. I saw some on bottom again. I used my electronics, without my electronics and without my imagery, with the, the hummingbird side imagery, the light side imagery, you talked about, uh, 
uh, or that you guys talked about, I wouldn't have had even a clue as to what was going on because I wasn't moving fish. But yeah, I guess I don't know what, what specific questions you guys have, but I ended up going to Eagle River and found a few fish at about one thirty on Friday. And we went back to that stretch and we basically had one, <laughs> we had one spot and we fished the hell out of it. And, you know, even the, the people on the shore that owned uh, you know, some of the places there, I mean, we got to know them on a first name basis because we went to their places so often. And so uh, it was, it was a great time. I literally, I can't believe uh, we did that. I mean, I was standing next to people that, I've been following for the last 10 years telling my wife, hey, I'm going to do this someday. And I'm standing up on stage with people like, uh, you know, like Mark Lajewski. I think I'm saying his name right, but, um, <laughs> even everybody, everybody up there is an outstanding stick and, uh, there's a lot better musky fishermen in that room that weren't on stage than I am, but just for some reason, it worked out that way. So really happy about it, really humbled by it. Uh, really excited about the whole experience. Well, I would say that one of the first questions I have would be, let's start with your, you know, pre-trip prep. What did that consist of for, say, somebody that's taken a trip to a newer body water? I get, I get messages, and Brad probably gets them too. Hey, I'm taking a trip to Vermilion. I'm taking a trip to Leech. Those seem to be pretty popular questions right now, you know. And so this could be applied to that. What did you do for your pre, you know, your pre-trip prep to kind of learn the water before you got on the water? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So, I mean, I looked at some maps. We talked about this a little bit before on our previous podcast. You know, I'll go and sit in the boat and just go through the Lake Master maps a little bit and kind of mark up some spots or something that looks good. Because my thing is, I want, when I get in the water, I want the least amount of spots that I have to put into it. I want to say, hey, here are my 15 spots or my 25 spots that I really like. And then I just go to my icons when I drive them. So I don't have to think about well, you know, this is this, or that is that, or the thing's here, or the moon's there. Like, I, I don't want that. I just want to go, when I had a clear mind and I wasn't stressed out, you know, what did I think was good? And so I did a lot of that. You know, I talked to a few people. I found some people that had previously fished that area and fished those lakes, and it, they weren't fishing the tournament. And, you know, there's, there's a few uh, that you guys would know, too, and they were very willing to just say, hey, you some thoughts. We because the tournament before, and you know it's amazing how if you you're not going to know if you just don't reach out. And some guys are pretty tight lip. You know, we talked about that as well. But you know, I found a couple of guys that were very willing to just say, "Hey, not a problem. You know, I'm not fishing it." And here's kind of something to think about, and you know, open water stuff or weed head stuff or whatever it is. And it was you know just taking the time to, to try to do some homework, I think, because I registered for March. So I had a lot of time, pretty much every day, I thought about it. And so, uh, but, uh, yeah, going through that. And the other thing I would say is pack as much stuff as you can fit. I mean, I had every rod that I owned. I just brought it all because I, I, it's a brand new body of water to me. I didn't know what I was going to see. I didn't know what I was going to encounter. I, I'm not used to tannic water like that is. I'm not used to current. I'm not used to that stuff. And so just bring a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I even brought non-musky species here with me because I'm more interested in just learning the system. And if I can find 
a few small balls down this spot, well, maybe that's where some muskies would set up. Or if I can find a few walleyes over there, not that necessarily I'm trying to do that, but, you know, if I see some fish in my graph and I want to know what they are, I can go throw a drop shot down there and I can kind of figure it out. So that would be another thing that I would say is don't, don't put yourself in one box. You know, I thought it was going to be an open water thing for us and the mocking. Guys, you know, the, the top, I think, two or three teams that went, you know, first, second, and third, it wasn't a lot of things for them. I couldn't put that together. So I kind of had to switch gears, but I would say another thing, just be open minded. You know, use your electronics, use the, the weather and, you know, other people that are willing to talk to you and do some research beforehand because that can be very valuable when you're sitting on the water and you scratch your head wondering, yeah, where are these fish at? I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's kind of some thoughts that come Yeah, so for this particular tournament, you literally pulled up the map in your boat and you marked spots out before you even got to the tournament to, you know, to lay down some potential starting points for fishing. And then when you showed up in town, what day did you end up showing up? I got there Wednesday at probably 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay, so when you showed up on Wednesday... Did you just start knocking down the spots that you had listed as, what, I mean, would you list them, like number one, two, three, that kind of stuff? How'd you go about I doing that? Went, I went north to south. I probably had 35 to 40 icons of spots that just based on the, uh, the underwater structures that I went through, and I just took, I went all the way to the north of Three Lakes and just started knocking stuff out, and I'd drive it, and some of them I'd fish, some of them wouldn't, but... You know, there's one weed bed that I, I drove up on, and I side imaged, I mean, perfect side image of probably, a, let's say, 44-inch, 45-inch muskie in these cabbage weeds. I didn't cut this, but I want to burn it. But, you know, that, that's just the stuff you learn when you have all of these spots laid out. So I didn't have to think when I got on the water other than just observe. Again, I want the least amount of variability when it comes to my mental capacity as possible. And so I just went north to south. I spent the first day on the northern half, I spent the second day on the southern half. And I just drove spots, looked at spots, fished spots. And, you know, I wasn't able to put a whole lot together. But based on my electronics, I was able to sight and fish in not open water, but adjacent to the structure. And I think we're transitioning to open water, but weren't there yet. But a lot of the stuff that I found was going to be, you know, up shallower. And so, at least, worst case scenario, if we wouldn't have found the fish on the uh, Eagle River chain like we did, I at least knew two specific spots that there were some really nice fish in that area. So, that's all electronics that, in, in preparation, just sit in the boat, you know, 10 days prior and open a beer and finish your map, I guess. But that's, that's kind of what I did. And, and you know, I was able to at least find a few spots, so that worked out. And then for this particular chain, you could have, for the first time, you could have fished three lakes and you could have fished Eagle River. How'd you decide which one of those to fish? Well, I like three lakes better. I like the the way it lays out. I'm a southern Minnesota guy. I fish the metro and, uh, you know, from southern Minnesota fisheries down here, it, it just made more sense to me. And after two days of not moving any fish, which was interesting because I talked to guys that were just crushing fish Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Three Lakes. So, you know, I kind of feel 
small when when you're talking to those guys and you know, they're just they're pounding fish and, and seen a lot and all that and I can't find one. But I went to like I said, went through three lakes and just I knew what I knew and I felt comfortable with you know, at least knowing what spots will look like. So if I knew on Saturday at 10 o'clock to see something that kind of triggered something, like I'd be like, hey, I have three more spots like this because I, I just did the homework on what these were and making icons and what were rocks and weeds and good weeds and bad weeds and transitions and hard to soft bottom and all of that. You know, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but, uh, you know, I, I went to Three Lakes and felt good about that. I went to Eagle River on Friday and I, I didn't really like the way it laid out. It just was more foreign to me. But what we did find is after I went through and fished it like I normally would, I, I didn't move anything again, which is the until about one thirty on Friday. But we just kind of went off the wall and we said, God, this is hot. I'm sweating my you know butt off. I'm thinking maybe these fish want shade. So we found a, a shoreline that had some shade to it, and we ended up with two fish in a really short amount of time. And that's, you know, kind of what we went off of. So we at least found an area where those fish were. Now, obviously, the weather, for those that were up there, know this, but the ones that weren't. The weather on Friday, with high skies, sun, humidity, it was hot, is very different than Saturday. Saturday was overcast. Temperature dropped, I don't know exactly, but let's say 8 to 12 degrees, and it was just a much different day. And so the fish transitioned from where they were the day before, but they still used the same areas, at least that's what we found. And so making that transition and saying, hey, the weather changed, these fish are in the same general vicinity, but they're not in the same spot necessarily. They've transitioned a little bit out from there. That was a big thing for us. And so we were able to make that transition and we ended up voting a, a 38 on Saturday and a 41 on Sunday doing the exact same thing uh, both days on the, basically the same stretch of, uh, of the lake. So, you know, that, that's kind of the way it went from Three Lakes to Eagle River. I thought for sure I was going to fish Three Lakes until about one thirty on Friday. So initially when you started out, you really didn't have any plans to fish Eagle River. You thought you were going to be on Three Lakes then is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't. Not that Eagle River is bad, not bad at all. It's just the way that I fish and the way that I process stuff. I just didn't like the way it laid out, and I wasn't really comfortable with it. But you know, when you when you start moving fish and you start seeing fish in a small area, that kind of changes your mind pretty quick, and it ended up working out for us making the transition and staying in uh, Eagle River. Absolutely. So I don't know. I don't even know that much about the results of the tournament. Who won? Who lost? How many were caught? That much I haven't really paid attention. I was uh, I was up north this last weekend finally, and then when I came home it was you know back to reality. I was you know packing boxes and and uh, going to work to wire stuff today, and then it was baseball games tonight. So I haven't even looked at it. What what in it like did the, where were the winners? Were they in Three Lakes or were they in Eagle River? Like were the majority of the field where were they? So I think, and I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but I think all of the top three teams were in Three Lakes. I think. Uh, and I, again, I know the top two teams had five fish. I think the third place team had five fish as well. So there were a lot of fish caught. There was some 90 some fish caught for the two days or the, you know, day and a half that the tournament went on, which I believe Tim said 
was a record of how many fish were caught for the tournament. So there was a lot of fish caught. I want to say 19 teams. Again, these are all just general numbers. I could be totally wrong. Somebody could correct me, but I want to say 19 teams out of 135 caught fish. And uh, 10th place was a, a 238. And we got 8th place with a 38 and a 41. So you know, if you didn't double up with 38, you, you're off the board. So it was, it was a pretty competitive tournament. And pretty much a shootout at that point relative to what it had been from what I hear from the locals that uh, fishing had been pretty poor for the you know couple of weeks prior. So that was obviously good for us because they're fishing we were just having to be in the in the right area at the right time. I, guess. I know Matt that uh, you've done some other tournament fishing, but this is obviously your first musky tournament. What is it that drives you to be a tournament fisherman? I mean, what is the the purest part to this whole sport that uh, makes you want to go do these tournaments? That's, that's a really good question. Uh, so to, to make sure I'm technically correct, I have fished the Clear Lake tournament, the Muskie Zinc tournament down in Clear Lake, Iowa, uh, a couple of years. But that ends up to be more social than it does, you know, serious. And so that uh, is a little bit different or this is much more of a, serious thing because there's a few more dollars on the line but uh, to, to ask what makes me want to be competitive with fishing I think the first thing is I'm just a competitive person by nature and so I want to kind of you know figure out do I belong there and I will tell you Friday morning driving to <laughs> driving to Eagle River I was very much questioning if I belonged there at all and I'm not totally sure if I do still but uh I, you know, I, I want to know, um, you know, I, I put a lot of time and effort and thought and, you know, being a musky angler, you put in a lot of irrational spending dollars, a lot of the stuff with the boats and the gear and the baits and the electronics and all that. And I, I guess I kind of wanted to see if it was worth it. <laughs> I maybe would change my behavior, but I wanted to see if it was worth it. And the other thing is I started fishing bass tournaments with my son Owen. And if you want to go back to the other episode, I tell a really cool story about when he and I won a local bass tournament here and some of the stuff that he and I talked about. But, you know, I, I think it's so interesting how tournaments can teach you time management. Even if you're a fun fisherman and your clock isn't necessarily, you know, 4 o'clock the tournament starts, but it might be 4 o'clock is moonrise. And we know that fish have been moving on moonrise. How do you structure your day when it's noon as to like when do you take a break? When do you go in the shade and have a sandwich? When do you uh, when do you go? When you're going hard? When you you know trying to just say okay let's let's take a break and let's put our rods down and let's think about we have two hours left. What do we do? Do we go there? Do we stay here? I think the time management of tournament fishing is really intriguing to me, and I learned that with fishing with my now eight-year-old son, Owen, in these bass tournaments, is how do you manage that time? And where do you spend it? And uh, you know, what do you prioritize? I think there's a lot of really good musky fishermen in the PMTT. And there's a lot better than I. I'm probably average <laughs> for, for a lot of those guys. But I think the thing that separates a lot of those guys between just the fundamentals and guys that can stick them when you know, they're fun fishing is the guys that are really good are the ones that make the right mental choices at the right time. We're all, you know, even the best guys, 
you know, they have a lot of the fundamentals really, really down and they're really, really good at it. And I get that and a hundred percent respect it. You know, I totally get that. But I think it's the choices that you make and decisions that you make or the changes that you make to whatever your plan was 10 minutes ago. And now you got new information in front of you. And what do you do? And I think tournament fishing is so fun is taking all that information, making a choice on the spot, knowing that your ass is on the line, which maybe you need to edit that part, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Good, man. I mean, you think about the tournaments and there's, there's a lot to be learned by tournaments, honestly. You know, it's so funny. It's one way that you know somebody else on the lake is actually catching. And and it's amazing to me always in a muskie tournament how many fish are caught at a certain given time, right? There's always mm-hmm. windows in muskie fishing. And, and some of the things that happens when you're out there tournament fishing is you get in for the day and you start seeing who caught and what they caught. And you start looking at the times that those fish were caught. And it kind of starts putting together the the pieces to the puzzle like we always talk about. So mm-hmm. the, the tournament aspect, there's a lot of cool things, and I think you touched on a bunch of them. Um, the competitive nature is definitely a big factor, I would say. And the other cool thing is, I mentioned this in the last podcast too, but I have a lot of friends that are super into bass fishing. And they're, I mean, they're a nerd for bass fishing, like I am a nerd for musky fishing. And that, that's great. If they want to do that, that's totally fine. But the interesting part is they fish the tournament at the same time, and we started comparing notes of when Moon was and when they caught fish and when we caught fish, and they were the same time. And it's like, dude, they were on from, you know, I don't remember the exact time, but they were on from like 10 to 11 in the morning. And we looked, and it's like, well, that's when we were seeing fish, moving fish, and catching fish. And then I looked at the lunar table, and I'm like, dude, that was Moon. And they're like, no, that doesn't, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, guys, I've been telling you this for years. Like, you got to pay attention to this. It doesn't always work, but it puts the odds in your favor the majority of the time. So you got to pay attention to this. And we just had this conversation today, legitimately, with one of my good buddies driving down the road, and, and we were comparing notes. And so, it, you know, it makes sense because you see those windows, whether it's related or it's the sun or it's the call or it's the something. But a lot of the same stuff that they saw with their fishery, we noticed with the musky fishery at the same time in different states. So it was it was really cool to compare and contrast that. Like you said, there's just you got to pay attention to a lot of those details to, to a lot of times be successful with that. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that's part of the the biggest part of this equation is you know when you're a musky fisherman, it's the little details that can make the biggest difference. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. And I think uh, I think tournaments definitely kind of prove, you know, put some proof in the pudding, if you will. And another piece to add on to that, and I agree with you 100%. I, you know, I had a five and a half hour drive home. So you have a lot of time to kind of think and process, like, where were those fish and why were they there? And, and so I didn't necessarily put this all together in the boat, which hopefully someday I can and be smart enough to think on my feet more. But what was interesting was, is the spot that we found fish, there was a chocolate milk line in the water. So it wasn't there in the morning because there wasn't enough boat traffic. And there was a ton of boat traffic that came through this one spot and a bunch of wakeboard boats and stuff that annoyed the crap out of us at the time. But we needed that because that wave action created on this, basically on this weed line, that created a chocolate milk to clear water 
transition. And you guys talk about edges a lot. You've had how many kind of you know, people talk about edges. And that was the edge. I remember saying that both days. Once we saw that set up and we're like, okay, wow, this is, uh, this is happening. You can see that, that chocolate milk stained inside and clear outside. That's when those fish set up there. And because the bait was outside and they let it come to them. And they, as far as I can figure out, they were sitting in that chocolate milk right on the edge of that. And that's where we got bit. And so, uh, it's, it's the small details like that where we quit fishing outside in and fish inside out. And that's where we saw fish. That's where we got our bite. So it's, it's small things like that that you kind of put the pieces together and it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's super cool to hear that. You know, I, you're exactly right. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch. And I know the Herbie podcast, we talked about all kinds of edges. What a prime example of what an edge really is. It's those small things that uh, they just add up and add up and add up. And when everything kind of comes together like it did for you, it definitely makes you feel good. Hey, I'm taking advantage of this. You know, so many times, too, I think there's so many anglers out there, especially these tournament guys that have been at Eagle River multiple, multiple times. They start to fish those memories, and a lot of times the memories aren't really that good. So maybe a fresh set of eyes and different thoughts and things maybe kind of put you on a different level as well, Matt. <laughs> I, I will say that the way we were fishing on Saturday and a good part of Sunday, we had boats that were driving by us and they're looking at us like, what are you guys doing? And I mean, you could see them. You can't necessarily hear them, but you could definitely see them looking at us like, what? They're shaking their head like, what are you guys doing? And, you know, we're basically beached on the, on the shore and we're casting out. And it's just looking back, I think, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we could have done something different to try to catch a few more fish and then let that, that chocolate milk line set up. But at the time, it's like, this is what we got. And now looking back, I think that's what it was because both times we caught fish is not too long after I said to my, my partner, Joe, who did an awesome job. He actually buttered both of those fish, so I should give him all the credit because he did an amazing job, you know, catching and fighting both of those fish. But, uh, you know, we got him in the bag and we lost the team effort. But, uh, yeah, it was not too long after I, I said to him, like, dude, the chocolate's setting up. You know, there it is. And we got a fish. So it, it, it was just, it was really cool to, to see that all happen. Now, will this happen every time? And, you know, are we going to put it together every time? Absolutely not. It's monkey fishing, just like you and I were talking. It's like the second that you think you have it figured out, it's like, get a job. Yeah, right. You're not, you know, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to sit, <laughs> sit you down and, you know, you're not going to find a fish. But, you know, it, it just came together, and I think a fresh set of eyes, like you were talking about, we were fishing very different than a lot of people, and you know we didn't get boost, and that's fine. But uh, you know we had a respectable finish doing something that I think was pretty off the wall. So and it worked out. You were fishing from the inside out, and that angle change, you know, that the the way that you were casting on those fish definitely probably made a difference as well. The way it sounds. And I think so too, because the bait, once you got to a specific depth, depth range, and everyone will tell you this, the amount of bait that is in that system is unbelievable. I, I, I can't even tell you how much the, uh, the graphs, my, my hummingbirds that I have just completely lit up with bait once you got to a certain depth range. So I think once that chocolate milk kind of got out far enough, and those fish kind of used that, 
they were used to seeing the bait coming from the deep water to the shallow water. They weren't used to the bait coming from the shallow water to the deep water. And so on Sunday, we had two boats. Because we were, we were a later boat drop, but we had two boats that were on our spot on Sunday morning. So they must have seen us boat that fish or whatever. It doesn't matter. But we fished behind them and didn't care because they were fishing opposite of what we were doing. They were fishing outside in, and we fished inside out. And so we were able to, to boat another fish when those guys, I mean, literally we had another boat come right through a half hour earlier and we didn't care. We just, we knew what, you know, actually I shouldn't say that. We didn't know anything. We just knew that was our only spot. <laughs> so that's why we went through it again. But you're right though, that inside out thing and the angle of what I think those fish were looking for was different than what a lot of the guys were presenting. So, Matt, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, being a bait manufacturer and what have you, what kind of pattern did you have as far as bait-wise? Yeah, so good question, and you know, I guess ironic that you ask it, but we were we throwing a lot of jerk baits, a lot of rubber, and that wasn't working out, so we switched over to blades, and uh, on the actually on the recommendation of Matt Seifert, who I talked to and uh, went on a guide trip with him and, and you know, talked with him a little bit before the tournament, he recommended your, I think it's a DS4, and um, yeah, we put those on, and I shouldn't say, we put one on, and then we boated our first fish with it, and then uh, we ended up both throwing those and got our second fish, both on DS4s, so that was uh, a pretty cool deal when you can kind of put that together from other people that obviously know more about stuff than I do and uh, Matt's obviously a, a heck of a brain when it comes to a lot of that and he suggested it and so we decided to put those on and it worked out so uh, I think the, the one color was I'm trying to remember it was blue and silver and the other color was uh, green and silver I want to say I'm, I'm, I wasn't throwing the green when I was throwing the, the blue and silver but for a little while but anyway so yeah we cut those both on DS4s that's super cool to hear. I uh, I do know that, you know, this early season stuff, the last couple of years, Matt has been huge on either JR4s or JR3s, the DS4s as well. But uh, the Moon Series is a really cool series that uh, definitely fish haven't seen a whole lot of. So it kind of makes sense in that, in that whole realm. Yeah, I, I literally only had two of them. And once we caught the first first fish on the first one it's like well i guess we're both throwing this and it worked out so yeah it was uh it was cool so again thank you guys for what you do and making the base that you do because i maybe would have gotten those fish i don't you know maybe not i don't know but uh, the, the musky mayhem ds4 is definitely uh you know put the fish in the bag for us that's awesome um the only thing that could have maybe been better is that you would have said that they were a tro special custom color <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, really, you're going to throw some stock color stuff? Junk. <laughs> oh, that's all good. Yeah, I guess I screwed that up. I, I should probably uh, rewind. <laughs> no, no I, I tell you what, it was uh, to, to put in a plug for Jeff, too. The, I mean, the coolest part about what you do is I put in an order, and you guys have that thing like literally that night. Uh, you know, you guys have it shipping to us. And so, you know, we had a trip last fall out on uh, the Metro uh, going for big ones. And, I mean, you know, you, I, you packed a bunch of baits for me and 
all the custom colors and we ended up scoring on the DRO uh, rubber. So it was, you know, worked out good there too. So yeah, I, I should, I should, uh, I should admit, uh, you know, you, you do some good stuff too. It's not just the must mayhem stuff. <laughs> It's all good. No problems. I understand. Everybody that comes on the podcast wants to give Muskie Mayhem love. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Come well, on now, Jeff. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Maybe for the third episode, I'll focus on, on the custom color there stuff. I don't, who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. I'm going to mark that down on my notes so I don't forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys are out of control. <laughs> no, but it, 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 was, it was pretty cool because I didn't think it was going to be a blade bite at all. And it ended up being that way. And like I said, my, my bull partner, uh, Joe Fisher is his name. And he, he's the one who decided to, to change it up. And, you know, he stuck that first one on uh, Saturday. And after that, we're, that's what we threw the rest of the time. And it worked out for a second fish and an eighth place finish. So it's like, you know, it wasn't me. It was, it was him. And, uh, I to see some of the stuff that you guys do. So appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for even telling me. I mean, that that's some cool stuff there, Matt. Did you end up using your 360 just separate from the rest of the system? No. Or? Okay. No, but I know how to run my boat without it, and I know that my grass will run without it. So I didn't, I didn't run with it. There was a couple times when it could have been, you know, could have been helpful and played, but, you know, it, it was fine. We fished a few cribs. It was be easy to fish on it. It would have been really helpful to really pinpoint where that crib was and, and put some cast on it. But I wasn't going to risk all of my units basically showing blank all at once. Uh, you know, the day of the tournament, that would have, you know, you want to talk about spinning out, that would, I think I would have spun out and stayed if that would have happened. I, I totally understand that. I, You know, Birds had a few problems with uh, some software glitches, the way it sounds. And for those of those listeners out there, if you are having troubles with your 360 mega um, with the networking side, if you just put it separate on one head unit, you're probably good. But if you're networking, I know there's an update coming soon. So something to watch out for. And uh, definitely, I think the fix is on its way. Mm-hmm. You know, so Matt, we talked a lot about your prep and a lot about the, uh, you know, the tournament, kind of how they won or, or we didn't, what we didn't talk about was how they won. So did, you know, during these wrap ups of these tournaments, Tim calls guys up, they kind of talk about what they did or didn't do. Some guys are super secretive yet because it's a regular stop on the PMTT. Did you kind of get a sense on what, what patterns ended up winning it? Obviously you guys did well, but there was other patterns out there that produced more. So you want to, do you know anything about those patterns? Yeah, well, I can, without you know, telling who's who, I guess, and I don't really have kind of permission to give too much information, but I will say that I was talking to another group that was also a, a top 10 qualifier, a high qualifier, and, uh, or a finisher, I guess I should say. And what it, what it seemed to be like is they caught, they caught the majority of their fish on Sunday, and they didn't do so hot. I mean, they, they boated fish on, on Saturday, but they didn't do so hot on Saturday relative to their Sunday. They moved up quite a bit on Sunday. And when I was asking them about it, they said the difference was is leading up to the tournament, they felt most confident they've ever been in, uh, in finding fish. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about, and we talked about it before here, not too long ago here, about making the, the choices and uh, transitioning to a different style or a different 
presentation or a different part of the water water column. But these guys legitimately watched these fish go from you know shallow ish out to the open water. I I don't you know have it on good authority or anything. But everybody that was really successful in the tournament caught fish open water, but I think that. You know, just look at the pictures, I guess. But, um, you know, these guys were fishing a lot of open water, but they made the, the, the guys that were most successful, from what I can tell, were the guys that made the transition from pre-fishing, which they caught fish differently. But then with the weather transition from Friday to Saturday, quite abrupt, they made the transition to deeper water or open water. And they were able to, uh, excuse me, they were able to find some fish and, they were able to, to capitalize. So I think you know, tournament fishing, like you had asked about Brad earlier, it's all about those decisions. It's all about those choices that you make. And those guys that were the most successful were able to do that. And I think that that's, that's the coolest part, or coolest part about our sport is these fish are, they're never static. <laughs> they're never just sitting there waiting for our base to come by in the same spot all the time. And so when you can start thinking more like a fish than you do like a human, there's a weird way of saying it, I guess. But when you can start doing that and think about how the weather is impacting, think about how, uh, you know, the sun or the rain or the clouds or all this stuff, how they're going to change. And then you can predict that. Again, we didn't do it to its fullest extent. That's why we were eighth at first. But, you know, those guys, I, I just want to respect them because, they were able to do that and they did it at the right time in the right spot and that's you know pretty impressive when you can make those decisions and follow those fish as they're transitioning from maybe uh, earlier season type uh, pattern to a you know summer-ish type pattern or early summer or late summer whatever we're in I guess with the temperatures all over the place but you know I think that's really cool to be able to watch them so congrats to those guys that were able to do that again I don't I didn't talk to team one or two uh, or three in any depth, but just talking to the other guys that were in the top ten, I think that that was a general consensus that those fish were in a transition from where they were early in the week to where they were at the end of the week and into the weekend. And I think based on the tournament numbers, that definitely showed that those fish were uh, definitely willing to go because of that weather change. Cool. Well, Matt, we want to thank you for coming out and taking some time to talk about your tournament weekend. Hopefully, you know, the story a little bit maybe gets guys thinking about how they can approach water differently, especially if they're on some trips this summer, which I know a lot of people are doing. And we hope that you have continued success on your next trip, which I believe is, uh, was it Cass Bemidji? Is that what's the next one? Yep, that's the next one. I think at the end of August. I yeah. got it right. I think that you're probably correct. And so, yeah, that that is correct. Yep. So hopefully you have some success there based on a, you know, a top 10 finish in the PMTT automatically puts you, if my math is correctly, puts you in the championship already. And cause I think, you know, out of the three qualifiers, if you finish in the top 10, that's 30 teams. So you're automatically going to make it in assuming you go fish the other event. So as long as you go fish the other one, you'll make it to the championship, which will be interesting as well. Cause I'm sure that Chippewa flowage isn't exactly, um, like home water to you. It's interesting water, <laughs> definitely, yep. uh, a lot to learn there. And so it'll be, uh, uh, you know, I'll have, I'll kind of enjoy this summer, you know, watching you on your, like living vicariously through your tournament angling. Cause like I said, it's interesting to see what kind of stuff you're going to learn as you go about this journey. Well, I'll, I will tell you that I, uh, 
I, I'm still not 100 percent sure that I belong there because you know anybody can fluke and uh, and have a you know fluke finish and get in the top ten. But uh, there's a decent likelihood that we might talk after the Bemidji cast, and I might be crying in my Cheerios. Who knows? But I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, the camaraderie and stuff between a lot of guys. I met some really cool people, and really looking forward to just being back up there and and having fun uh, above and beyond all the rest of the stuff and muskies and everything else. So I uh, appreciate the encouragement, and we're really looking forward to getting back up there and uh, maybe picking your brains about how I can not disappoint everything and myself and my true partner and everything else mm-hmm. up there. We'll we'll find out. Cool. Well, like I said, once again, I hope I hope you have a you know a lot of luck on your next trip. I want to thank everybody for taking some time out of their schedule to uh, listen to our podcast. We sincerely appreciate all of our loyal listeners. I know that we have a lot of people that are looking forward to it coming on at you know five o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, and hopefully we can continue to bring you uninterrupted episodes. It seems like maybe our schedule is going to get back on track here a little bit. So once again, just want to thank everybody. I want to thank you for coming out, Matt, and uh, we'll catch everybody again next week. Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys, and thanks for all that you do. I know it's a ton of work for you guys to be able to put in your normal job, normal hours, uh, you know, guiding bait manufacturing, doing your electrical stuff and everything and putting this out because it's, uh, it's something that I definitely look forward to, and I was counting down the minutes driving to Eagle River, you know, when I left my house at 4.30 in the morning on Wednesday waiting for the podcast which is an amazing one. So if you haven't listened to it, go back a week. You're probably going to learn more than you, than you did on this one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really appreciate it for all the work that you guys put into it. It's uh, pretty great that we have a community of musky nerds that can learn from all the people that you guys have on and yourselves, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking before you head up to Bemidji Cast. In the meantime, good luck out there fishing and thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thank you.